We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You are listening to The Uncontested an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob. All you haters come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. What is up? It is, I guess, Saturday morning. It's not even Friday night anymore. 12, 17 a.m. Game three is in the books. Oklahoma City wins 120. It's a lot of points. To 108. Jacob here. I've got Justin uh, live next to me. What's up? He is not in Dallas. He is in my game room. It's good to be here. And Mere, mere inches from Rhaegar's yes. hammer. Mere inches. That's... Is Rhaegar's hammer an actual weapon, or is it a sexual euphemism? You decide. Oh, my God. We also have not a full-time member of the Uncontested, but the guy that made that intro that you just heard, his name is Jacob Silva. It's me again. Woo! Special guest. Oh, yeah. Taylor was going to join us, uh, but he, he was unable to. And Nick is currently in the locker room of the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, not getting next questioned. So proud. Proud of Nick. I'm so proud. Good That's man. a big achievement. Yeah. yeah. Nick, I don't know you, but I'm proud of you. <laughs> Not getting next question is pretty impressive. Go check out our Twitter if you haven't seen it. We tweeted the video of Nick asking Russell Westbrook a question. And uh, not getting next question. Yeah. I think it was like an eight answer. Eight not eight answer. Eight word answer. It's good. But it's better than next question. Not Every bad. word matters. Because Russ even got the PR lady to next question somebody for him tonight. That was, that was good. They know the routine. And then PG next question somebody. I'm just saying, we need some next question They're t-shirts. The, best. Oof. the The shirts that should it. be on the chairs for game four yes. should just say next question. Uh, With a picture of Barry Trammell. <laughs> 
Uh, you want to talk about the game? Yeah, let's talk awesome. about the game. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Uh, I've got five themes for you. Uh, we were in the in the peak tonight. We felt the energy of the orange-clad Oklahomans screaming their hearts out. So maybe the shirts themselves I'm not huge fans of. The design is poor. Yeah. But that's par for the course. Yeah. But but the entire crowd in orange, never done before, I thought looked really good. It's a good look. Super cool. Totally really- changed the vibe of the arena, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. I just wish Portland wasn't in red. Yeah. If they'd been in black... Or something like that, it would have looked cooler. But I totally agree. Love the effect. I, I kind of like the idea of the shirts on that, that everyone wears that are on the chairs being the same, co- at least in the same color palette as whatever jerseys the team is wearing that night. So tonight, the Thunder wore the, the City Edition, the Teals, the, the Native American theme. So I feel like the shirts should have been more of that color. Um, that's just personal preference. Yeah, so. I've always sense. wondered about that. We're getting off the rails early, but I'm yeah. here for it. Uh, do you think it screws players up if all the fans are wearing the same color that they're wearing? Like, does it get confusing? Maybe. Like, because I, I mean, I honestly believe that, especially like even when I play pickup uh, at an incredibly slow pace of like <laughs> YMCA, it's pretty much the same. Yeah, YMCA yeah. pickup <laughs> hoops. You know, there, there's a lot of times where. You don't fully see somebody. Yeah. You just like right. see the movement. You know that's your guy cutting, and so you pass. Yeah. Um, at the speed that the NBA game is at, uh, I think if, if you maybe if you saw the same color as your jersey, you'd kick, and, and they're not there. I mean, you see players accidentally pass to guys on the bench or right. refs. Or like the refs. Yeah. 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 So I've always wondered that. I think so, it'd, be, it'd be that on a much larger scale. In that case, I'm, I'm down with the contrasting colors. Touche. We'll probably get a white on white on Sunday. White well, uniforms on the schedule. White t-shirts just make sense. I mean, it's Oklahoma City. It's Getting, always white on white. Okay. Oh, man. All right. So game themes. Uh, on that note, uh, the first one I have here I think is a pretty obvious one given what the narrative was about this team in the first two games in Portland, which was a historically bad two-game stretch of three-point shooting. Literally the worst that's ever been done in the playoffs. So contrast that to tonight. The Thunder shoot 15 of 29 Good for 51.7% from behind the three-point arc. Uh, I have in my notes multiple flames emojis. Uh, (laughs) Well-deserving. I saw saw that this is a franchise playoff record 15 for the most three-pointers in a playoff game. Wow. Ever in Thunder history. So what do you guys think about that, just going from what we saw in Portland to what we saw tonight? Um, We talked about it on podcasts leading up to game three. We, we tweeted it and said the role players will play better at home. Um, Jeremy Grant, four of five from three. Terrence Ferguson, three of four from three. Dennis Schroeder, two of three from three. There you go. Yeah, the only one who shot poorly, quote unquote poorly, is Paul George. And he was two of seven. Yeah, yeah. I think that is When massive. did Adams take a three-pointer? Uh, he there was a half court at the half. end of the first half. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, when they right. reviewed it and gave him a few like tenths of a second, yeah, he threw a foot. It, did it hit rim? It came close. Came pretty close. Yeah, it came, it came pretty, pretty close. close. Uh, Russ even four or six from three. That's huge. That's yeah, like, huge. Massive. One of them in crunch time too, which was yeah. incredible to see. Yeah, he so, was he was fantastic tonight. Uh, which transitions us nicely to my second theme, which is Russ rocking babies. Uh, Russell was magnificent. He was 11 of 22 overall from the floor. Like you mentioned, four of six from three, seven of eight from the line, which is also huge. 
uh, five boards, 11 assists, five turnovers, uh, three fouls, plus 15 in the box score, good for 33 points overall. I thought top to bottom, definitely his best game in the series. He looked engaged on the defensive end for the most part. Um, what did you guys see from Russ tonight that you liked? For sure. I was a little, so he was playing great. And then I think uh, the early third quarter, he rocked the baby on Dame. Uh, shortly after Dame had his explosion and uh, rocked me like a baby because I was horrified. Uh, <laughs> uh, eventually, Russ obviously came back and played very well throughout the game. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to see some national narrative. Not that I put too much stock into that, but about the the baby rocking. Because it was essentially when he rocked the baby, the Thunder were up 15, I believe. And yeah. it was like immediately after that Dame went absolutely nuclear. Yeah, but I, I think it's also fair to say that Dame went nuclear when sh- most of the time when Schroeder was on him. Um, I thought Russ struggled a little bit early. He looked a little uncomfortable. He looked like he was forcing things. Um, I, I told you guys at the game, Portland's going to give him that little mid-range pull-up all night long. They're, they're, they'll... They'll live and die by the Russ pull-up 16-footer. Um, but I thought Russ adjusted his game well. I thought the second half in particular uh, in the fourth quarter, just the way he commanded the game, his defensive presence, his I, – I thought Russ was the the second-best defender on Dame tonight. Um, we'll get into the rest of that later. But the way Russ set up his teammates, um, he hit Jeremy Grant for some great-looking uh, jumpers. He hit um, – Markeith Morris, I remember in the second half, uh, they were doing an action on the left side of the court, and he got Markeith in the right corner, wide open. He got Jeremy Grant in the left corner, wide open. He got Jeremy Grant at the top of the key, open. He got Jeremy Grant with a beautiful little pick-and-roll pass uh, there in the fourth quarter. I thought just he played a masterful fourth quarter, uh, really found his stroke while also getting his teammates involved. It was it was a really good balance from him. 11 made field goals, 50%, and 11 assists. Um, so he scored 33 points, those 11 assists. Even if they're all two-pointers, that's another 22 points that he accounted for. Uh, so almost half of the team's points Russ either scored or assisted on. Um, I got, you got to love it. I want to add some numbers to something you said a second ago, and that was about Russell's at the at the start of the game. He did look a little disjointed, uh, and Portland was definitely very intentional about giving him certain shots, and he was taking the bait. He started the game one for his first five. After that point, he was 10 of 17. It's so it was like once he kind of settled into the rhythm a little bit, I felt like he attacked the rim a little bit more. He definitely... Hit some threes, like we mentioned, four of six from three. And down the stretch, he was he was making those shots at a good clip. But I think what's what's positive about that is at the beginning of the game, knowing that things weren't going well, sometimes you can see Russ start to to press more, start to try to force things more. And I thought he did a really nice job of settling in and not just, I guess, you know, you say taking what the defense gives you, but it, it's more than that with Russ because they were giving him these kind of bad shots that they wanted him to take. But he went beyond that and didn't just settle for those shots. He looked for good shots and drove to the paint, which set up teammates on the perimeter as well. Yeah, I think two of the threes that he made were actually catch-and-shoot threes instead of just wild off-the-dribble threes. Yeah, those are... I'm 100% more okay with his catch-and-shoot threes than the off-the-dribble or like the jab-step, jab-step, jab-step three. I just... Anytime he can shoot in rhythm, he's not that bad of a shooter. No. I think it's it's the timing of his poor shooting 
and the the shot selection sometimes I think paints a slightly worse picture than than is reality. Totally. So let's we hit on this a little bit. Let's talk about the Dame explosion because my God, it was something. It was wild uh, to watch. So what did Dame have in the first half? I don't have it in front of me. It was four, four points. Four points. Four, four points. points. Four freaking points in the first half. And the the Trailblazers only had 39 points at halftime. And the Thunder came out hot in the third quarter very quickly. They had a 16-point lead. Russell was rocking babies. The peak was going nuts. We were going nuts. The Portland fans in front of us were very upset. And then all of a sudden, Dame just absolutely caught fire. The Trailblazers scored 43 points in the third quarter. Dame scored, what was it, 30? I don't know the numbers. In, in the third? In the third. I think 34, he had 25 in the third. Yeah, but yeah. And so I'm just had, saying numbers. He had, he, had 20, he had 29 going into the fourth. 33 okay. in the game. Okay, twenty. so 25 points mm-hmm. in the third quarter alone. Overall for the night, he was 10 of 21 uh, from the field, 3 of 9 from behind the three-point line, 9 of 10 from the stripe and, and most of that came in the third quarter. I think yeah, that that was. explosion, if I had to guess, maybe hampered him a little bit come the fourth quarter. Like he expended so much energy to put the trailblazers back in it, uh, that he might not have had as much in the tank for the fourth. But I mean, just watching it, it was unreal. It was one of those Steph Curry like experiences where every time the ball goes up, you expect it to go in. Yeah. And, and it was just ISO play. Yeah, it was just him coming off a screen. It was pick and roll. Yeah, a, yeah. a lot of it came against Schroeder and and Nerlens, um, and he just dissected them. It, you know, if they didn't step out quick enough, he pulled up the three. If the big tried to hedge too much, he got downhill. And he is he and Russell Westbrook are two very different finishers at the rim. They're both good. Russ is a more power. I'm just going to force the ball into the hoop. Where Dame is so finesse with it. Uh, but he's an incredible finisher at the rim. Incredible. And sometimes, sometimes he just trips over his feet in the lane, and, and no one touches call. him and gets a foul call. Yeah. So there's that I've, too. I've watched Dame like since he got drafted, and he I don't know what happened. He flops so often now. I'm gonna so start often. calling him Dame's Harden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trademark. Our Thank crowd. you. He he flopped, he flops he flopped a lot, and he complained to the officials a lot. Even after the game, once the game was over, yeah. he immediately went back on the court to talk to the officials again. Um, and I mean, I understand the Thunder shot a lot more free throws than than Portland, but I mean, I think Portland also got lucky because there were a lot of times where the Thunder should have got continuation on some plays Man, and didn't. I don't and, know what continuation is. Yeah. Can we just yeah. like it's like what's a catch in the NFL? Like nobody knows. There's no definition of it. And Block it's charge impossible to call continuation. Yeah. Right? You know? It's absurd. Uh. I think it's interesting that Dame had that explosion off of these kind of pick and roll plays because he's he's masterful in the pick and roll. And the Thunder have tried some different things. Uh, we talked about it on the playoff preview pod with the Trailcasters guys. The Dame and CJ are the best scoring pick and roll guards in the NBA, and the Thunder are the second best pick and roll defense in the NBA. That third quarter did not look like the second best pick and roll defense in the NBA. They yeah. were getting obliterated, but there was a really interesting wrinkle in the fourth quarter that Jacob, I think you were the first one to kind of notice. He did. There was a lineup change. And this is, this is a segment for all you Billy Donovan haters out there. <laughs> this is like, turn, turn your headphones up real quick because yep. uh, 
this was brilliant. He had his moment. Yep. So so they're in the fourth quarter, late in the game, um, kind of in the balance. In the and, and we can talk a lot about all of this. Schroeder being on the court instead of Ferguson, et cetera, et cetera. But for most of the night, Paul George was guarding C.J. McCollum. Um, whenever Schroeder was out there, Schroeder was guarding Dame, and Russ was guarding uh, Al Farouk Aminu, right? Or, or Harkless. Or Harkless. And and then Jeremy Grant was guarding the the other forward, and Adams had Enes Cantor. Right. Okay. Just a typical matchup, except the Thunder um, moved their three to guarding the two, and their one to guarding the three. Right. Right. Um, but they're late in the fourth. The Thunder came out of a timeout on defense. Paul George guarding Damian Lillard. Schroeder guarding C.J. McCollum. Russ on Al Farouk Aminu. Steven Adams on Mo Harkless, who typically plays on the wing. Jeremy Grant on Ennis Cantor. And I was like, this is really weird. And at first I thought maybe they just know that they've watched enough film that they know Portland's going to run some sort of set and this is just a good matchup. And then the next time down the court, they matched up like that again. And I was like, okay, this is deliberate. This is how they're going to... Why are they matching up like this? Like, you want Steven Adams, the big guy on Ennis who can get offensive rebounds and and you want Jeremy Grant on Mo Harkless who plays on the perimeter but realized it pretty quick Portland wanted to run Dame Ennis Cantor pick and rolls right they they wanted to run the 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 one five pick and roll and so by putting Paul George on Damian Lillard Jeremy Grant on Ennis Cantor as soon as that screen comes they can switch that, and and you're fine with Jeremy Grant guarding Damian Lillard. You'll live with that. And and when that switch happens, then Paul George is on Ennis Cantor. And you'll live with that too. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're playing into their switch because if it was Dennis Schroeder, Steven Adams, and you switch that, Steven can't guard Dame. And Schroeder is going to give up offensive rebounds or layups to Ennis Cantor. So by putting your two versatile wing defenders out there, Paul George can still block out Ennis Cantor. Jeremy Grant can still move his feet with Damian Lillard. And it eliminates what the Thunder were trying to do, which was blitz the pick and roll, send the big up, uh, hedge really hard and drop back. It just allowed them to straight up switch. And I think once they went to that, on the next five possessions, Portland had a missed shot and like three turnovers in that span. Um, and that, that sealed the game. Yeah it, yeah, it really just locked it up. The Thunder were able to get buckets at the other end and it, from Russ's masterful play in the fourth. But that defensive matchup um, was a really, really interesting wrinkle. You know, we, we saw Paul George on CJ early in the game and throughout most of the game. And I thought he really disrupted CJ. But then that wrinkle there at the end, I don't think you can run that for a full game because then Portland can expose it as far as whenever the switch happens and, and get just Ennis Cantor down on the block or switch up and run something with Mo Harkless with Steven Adams on him, yep. space Steven Adams out on the floor. But in crunch time, that's a really interesting defensive lineup that in game three worked. You know, Maybe it won't work later on down the line, but that was an ingenious little little chess move there by Billy Donovan. Yeah. I loved it. I think that that switch that you just talked about and Dame probably maybe exhausting a lot of his energy, like you mentioned, like Justin, you mentioned earlier, uh, is the reason why he 
was not scoreless in the fourth quarter. He hit some free throws, but he was held to zero field goals in the fourth that's quarter. That's huge. After the third quarter yeah. explosion he had. So that's yep. a very big deal. I think, too, it's a it's a testament to the type of guys that the Thunder have. They're they're utilizing their personnel well. We we know very well their defici- deficiencies, uh, shooting being the main one. But the kind of the presty mold of long, athletic, versatile guys, I mean, that that situation right there is kind of them at their best. Being able to have a guy like Paul George and a guy like Jeremy Grant that can switch on a 1-5 pick and roll. Like, how many guys in the NBA do you feel comfortable in that situation switching a 1-5 pick and roll? Yep. Not many. And those players yep. are usually signed to massive contracts. Yep. It yeah. was it was a, a nice wrinkle, and it really paid dividends. I don't know if you guys remember. I think it was yesterday, Thursday, when – when Royce Young tweeted out the the picture of Paul George and the coaching staffs talking, and he mm-hmm. said they yeah. they've been on the court talking for a while, and then Paul mentioned some maybe some lineup changes or whatever, and I initially just thought it was Paul George on CJ. Now I think very much so that that's the conversation they were having, very much so. I believe that's the conversation. That makes sense. So speaking of Paul George, I thought he played pretty well on the defensive end tonight. The other end of the floor, maybe not so much. Um, which brings us to our next theme, which is Ice Cold PG. He shot three of 16 from the floor, two of seven from behind the three-point line. He put in 22 points, but a large bulk of those came from behind the free throw line where he was 14 of 17. He had six boards and six assists, which is nice. But the three of 16... Uh, it was one of those weird stat lines where it didn't seem like he was shooting that bad. Yeah. And I think that's mostly made up from the points he was able to put in at the free throw line. But what do you guys think about continuing to see these kind of cold spells from PG? Do you think it's still something to do with the shoulders, even though he won't admit it? Or do you think it's something else? I hope it's more of a rhythm thing. And that as the playoffs continue, assuming we, I mean, on the next game, the next game, and if we move on, I hope it's something that he can that he can work out. Uh, I think I don't think his shoulder's 100%, no matter what he says. But hopefully it's yeah. more so the rhythm But I will thing. say, in the past two games, it does not look like it's bothered him. No. Fighting through screens. I mean, he fought through a hell of a lot of screens guarding CJ tonight. A hell of a lot of screens. He threw down a ridiculous dunk as time was expiring. Exactly. So probably don't do that if your shoulders hurt. No. Exactly. So I, I, I feel like, like you said, it's probably a rhythm thing. I've talked about it before on the podcast. We saw, saw it a little bit in the fourth quarter tonight where the Thunder ran a Paul George Steven Adams pick and roll. And, and it really puts in his canter in a tough spot because Paul George can drive off the pick and roll. He can dish to Adams off the pick and roll, or he can step back and hit that three. Um, you hope to find PG a little bit more rhythm, get him going a little bit. Uh, yes, the Thunder sh- shot more free throws than Portland tonight. Yes, Jeremy Grant had a huge game. Uh, Russell Westbrook had a huge game. Dennis Schroeder played a good game. Terrence Ferguson played a good game. And uh, some people will say, like, those performances by those all those guys isn't sustainable. Well, I think three of sixteen from Paul George probably isn't going to happen again either. No. Right. So this is a perfect segue to a Twitter question. Perfect. This comes from at L Taker Four, who says, obviously the three point shooting isn't sustainable, but do you think if PG doesn't shoot three for sixteen in game four, we can win convincingly, like by ten points? Oh yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so, and, too. And, you know, I don't expect the Thunder to shoot that great from three again. But if they can come out game four and shoot 35%, 40%, but you get a more efficient Paul George, a Paul George that shoots 50% from the field on on 16 to 20 shots, I think the Thunder are still in great shape. And Dame isn't going to put up 25 points in the next third quarter, hopefully. We yeah. hope. We yeah, hope. we hope. <laughs> I mean, he, he exploded. But I, I think, like, I... If I was betting, I wouldn't say I expect Dame to have another 25-point quarter. No. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, you'd be foolish. Yeah. But the thing that scares me almost more than, no, I don't think PG will shoot 3 of 16 next game. But will he go 14 of 17 from the free throw line? Will he get 17 free throw attempts again? Yeah. That part, I'm Well, like, the way well, these refs are blowing the whistle, that's a good point. It's so inconsistent ridiculous number of fouls like what happened to the nba where you get to the playoffs and the whistle stops blowing and it's physical bully ball like it used to be in the 80s with michael jordan but like tonight how many fouls did we have 20 uh, math 57 57 fouls tonight that's too many fouls that's too many fouls for a regular season game it's especially too many fouls for a playoff game yep and that's been the theme a lot in this series so far is just Crazy fouling. Yeah, 63 total free throws shot in the game. Jesus Christ. That's much, fun. That's yeah, what the fans are here for. Too much time spent watching free throws. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of work for, uh, what's his name, Thundor? The big uh, yeah. painted belly guy? That's yeah. a lot of work. He's he's putting in the hours. Yeah. He's getting that cardio in. <laughs> I have a question for you guys about our allocation of minutes to our players. So, Terrence Ferguson, 18 minutes, uh, 3 of 5 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3, 9 points. Dennis Schroeder, 32 minutes. Do you Would you like to see less of those minutes go to Schroeder and more to Ferguson? I think that's a possibility, yeah. Um, I mean, I, obviously I want F- Ferguson to play more minutes. I did think Schroeder had a pretty good night. It's actually kind of funny. I looked at you guys and I said, I don't know why they're bringing Schroeder in for Ferg. This isn't going to go well. He can't defend. He got beat off the dribble. Help had to come. The Blazers missed the shot. Easy offensive rebound and put back because because of the over rotation. Then Schroeder comes back down and responds and hits a bucket. And it went back and forth like what four straight possessions. Yep. And I was like, well, shit. I mean, I guess <laughs> I guess if you're just getting them back on the other end, but that's probably not sustainable. But uh, I didn't think he closed well. He yep. he provided um, a nice offensive punch. Um, it was nice. I would like to see Ferguson get more minutes. Maybe Ferguson can steal some minutes from Raymond Felton, yeah. who has done a fourteen whole minutes lot of nothing. nothing minutes. Yeah. Hey, speaking of guys that have done nothing though, I didn't realize this. Um, and our our buddy Brandon from the Trailcasters podcast tweeted this out for the series. Evan Turner has two points on one of seven shooting and four turnovers. Wow. That's not, cool. not good. That's, That's bad. Wild. Yeah. Like you don't have to to be a basketball savant to know <laughs> that's bad. Portland <laughs> fans were pretty high on him towards the end yeah. of the season. When CJ was out, he came in and gave him like two straight triple doubles and yep. they were all high on him and not looking good. That just means he's due for a breakout game. Yep. Yeah. Turner so we'll played seven out. minutes. Hmm. I think so, uh, not how, good for him. How many how many shots did he take? Two shots. I watched both of those shots. They were fadeaway baseline <laughs> mid range jumpers. That's yep. what you want. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think with Ferg, part of it is foul trouble. 
I mean, he had three fouls and mm, it was real like early. Six or seven minutes. Yeah. yeah. Three fouls. Uh, that's going to cut down on your minutes. Y- yes. I'd like to see him close. I think the latter half of the regular season, Billy was really favoring Schroeder over Ferguson to close games. So I don't think that's what we're going to get. But if he wants minutes, he's going to have to get him in the first half, and he's going to have to do that by not getting in foul trouble early. It was that charge call was his third foul. Yeah. And that was just – that's a rough way to kind of end your half if you're Ferguson. Definitely. Totally agree. Let's talk about the the role players as a whole since we're already kind of diving into Ferguson. We talked about this a lot with the first two games in Portland, just how the role players were not giving enough. We had one really good game from Russ, and we had one – a uh, pretty good game from PG and the role players were just kind of a mess. We felt optimistic about returning back to Oklahoma city, being in the peak, letting the fans kind of juice everybody up and just typically role players play better at home. So if we take a look kind of going down the board, I'm going to rattle off some stats and then you guys give me your general impressions of the role players. Jeremy Grant, he had 18 points off four of five shooting from behind the three point line, six of seven shooting overall, Two of two from the free throw line, two blocks as well. Ferguson, like you just mentioned, three of five from the floor, three of four from behind the three-point line. Had Dennis Schroeder, 32 minutes, five of 11 from the floor, two of three from behind the three-point line, five boards, six assists. Then we have Markeith Morris, uh, two of six from the field, three of four from the stripe, five boards, and one steal. And then last but not least, Nerlens Noel, two of two from the floor, uh, three rebounds, one block. Overall, I think we got a lot more production from these guys. Oh yeah. Um, I still, I still want more from Markeith. So do I. That's yeah. my like biggest takeaway from from this playoff series, and really since the trade deadline, I, I think he's just kind of disappointed. He had a nice little stretch. Well, uh, late in the first half, I think it was mm-hmm. where he got a couple buckets. He he played some solid defense, but like that's it, and that's that. really the nicest thing you can say about any of his games so far. Yeah, he had that alley oop. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. Um, yeah, it was a nice little moment. I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me, so that this may, that maybe makes this a hot take. <sighs> I'm ready, but I think the Thunder like Markeith Morris, and I think he's back on this roster next year with the mid-level exception. I think they're going to throw $5.5 million at him. Yeah, I mean, that would surprise me. Really? That's a, a little spicy. Yeah, I, I just think, I think he's going to be back. I think he, while he has underwhelmed, I think he'll want more minutes, and maybe he could get more minutes with the Thunder next year. I don't know, depending on how the roster's constructed. Yeah. But I think I say that because I don't think Nerlens Noel is in Oklahoma City yeah, next year. Right. I think and he plays a lot more five. Exactly. Yeah. Because to, it, this is the least minutes he's played in his career. He's typically a 20, 25 plus minute guy. Yeah. So 15 minutes, that's not normal for him. And I think he's also used to having a little bit more offensive responsibility. Yeah, like he's more a touches, guy that, more shots. He's a guy that can create his own shot. When, he's not doing that. You know, people the criticize these role players a lot, but when you're shooting that few times. Um, it's really hard to find a rhythm. It's really hard to get into a groove. And, and, you know, if you miss two shots, you have a bad game. Uh, Where if Russ misses two shots, it's not that big of a deal, you know. And so I I do think it's a little harder for role players like that. Um, But I don't think he had a bad game tonight. You know, it wasn't great, but I I think think he gave decent minutes. I think his, his plus minus, he's a minus three on the night. That came because he was on the court during the Dame explosion. 
Yeah. So that's a good point. You don't want to be on the court during the Dame explosion. Yeah. I Bad. thought Noel's blocks were huge. Yeah. I feel like Noel's blocks are always huge. Yeah. Like he's not just blocking like meaningless points. Like they're always like come at a really clutch time, which yeah. I think is nice. Which is weird because he gets weak side blocks, but a lot of the times he misses rotations. Yeah. It's true. So it's like it's either or like, a really damn good rotation <laughs> and a block at the rim or like no rotation at all and giving up layups to Dame. You know? He had three turnovers in very limited minutes. Fumbling yeah. fumbling passes in the yeah. lane. Yeah. It's like two frying pans for Dude, hands. It's the worst. Yeah. I can relate, though, you know? Uh, Jeremy Grant, though, you yeah. called him out to us, and I tweeted it from the account. Uh, you called him out, and we're like, the Thunder need more from Jeremy Grant. And then I think he hit, like, two threes on the next two possessions, yep. and it was beautiful. He, he pulled us out from the rubble after that Dame explosion. Yeah, yeah I did. He had a fantastic second half. He was a little little quiet in the first half, but I think overall, I mean, it's the level of production that we've been kind of yearning for this season. And what we really kind of saw from him down the stretch, he had a fantastic close to the season. Like yeah, he, he, he was yeah. playing so well. So I think that's what made the first two games outside of the like astronomically bad three-point shooting as a team. Really kind of his and Ferguson's play were probably the most disappointing parts to me is just knowing what they had done to close the regular season, seeing them play that poorly in the first two games in Portland was really tough. Yeah, he was 0 of 8 from 3 coming into this game. And, yeah, so to go 4 or 5 from tonight, is that's Huge an turnaround. unreal turnaround. You'll take that every time. Yep. Uh, so, obviously, tonight went well. It was a good game. Uh, there, was, there was highs and lows, but overall... We haven't touched on it yet. It was chippy. Yeah. It was chippy. It was Real chippy. chippy. Russ and Dame were barking at one another. Um, post game, we we had a little bit of a scuffle. Yeah. Schroeder, came. I don't know if they showed that on TV or not, but there were, there were some guys gathering at half court. I know Felton was in there. Yeah, uh, there there were some words exchanged as the confetti fell and yep. taking um, care of business. Played. Schroeder, after one bad Dame possession, walked up to him and started tapping the wrist like Dame time. Yeah. Like, where, where's it at now? Also, so. did you see Schroeder with the towel baby? Yeah. Oh, my God. Rocking the towel baby? It see, Schroeder's baby does not have shaking baby syndrome because he's rocking that he's baby responsibly. With it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he took his uh, baby classes at the hospital. Yeah. So, ga- game four is going to be must-watch TV. I mean... After Thrones. After Thrones, yeah. <laughs> game four is going to be intense, man. So, that there's, there's some bad blood brewing up. Um... Russ and and Dame were talking all night. This is when the playoffs get fun because it's like it's so much fun. I hate everyone on the Trailblazers right yeah. now, yeah. and like I have no reason to, exactly. other than like I'm sick of watching them play yeah. basketball against the Thunder. But like by the time you hit Game Four, it like crosses a different threshold, yeah. both with the fans but also with the players. Definitely, um, and you always see it start getting chippier the the later it goes. I mean, my mind immediately goes back to last year against Utah. Uh, and all the shit that Jay, Crow- Jay Crowder pulled and, yep. and whatnot. But it's also it's a 2-1 series. The Thunder have the next game at home. If they hold home court, it's a, it's a tied series. It's essentially a best of three headed back to Portland with the Thunder with a little bit of momentum. Yeah. If the Thunder lose at home, it's 3-1 going back to Portland for a possible closeout game Woof. with their home court. No thanks. Uh, that. Yeah, so, so it feels like the series kind of balances here in game four. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's exactly what you want because it just makes it so much fun. 
you know. So what do we think? Game we saw what they did in game 3. There's a lot of things that worked. Obviously like, you know, making over half your three-pointers is a pretty solid strategy. Uh we have a Twitter question from @dpit06 who says, "Does OKC simply need to play game 4 like they did tonight or they do they need to make other adjustments? What do you think needs to happen different from tonight in game 4 on Sunday?" You need to have a more efficient offensive Paul George. Absolutely. I think I think that's the thing. You don't have to shoot that good from three. If you can get a more efficient Paul George, you're, you're golden. I mean, even with the free throws tonight, Paul George had 22 points on uh, 21 shooting possessions. Um, that's not going to cut it. Paul George is the kind of guy that can have 35 points on 20 shooting possessions. If you can get that kind of Paul George, if you can get Paul George to get going, then I I think the Thunder have a great, great shot at game four. I think they found something, even with the Dame explosion in the third, I thought they found something defensively in that first half. I think they found something with PG guarding CJ for the most, Mm -hmm. most of the game. And then that little defensive wrinkle with the pick and roll defense we saw there in the fourth. Uh, I, I, I think they're good. I think Russ, this is one of those really good games for Russ where he, he plays that way and it pays off. You know, I think Russ is a, is a very uh, results-oriented guy. And so he played well. He set up his teammates and it resulted in a double-digit win. If he does that and they lose, maybe the next game he says, no, I'm going to do it on my own. But yeah. that didn't happen. Yep. He, he played the way that you want him to play. He played a good brand of basketball, and they won. So that just means it's it's more encouraging because that it tells him if you play like this, you win. So keep playing like that. You know. Yeah, we should so, expect the same Russ for sure. If I'm hoping can, so. Yeah, if we can get a good Russ game and a good Paul George game at the same time, which we have not gotten all series. I was gonna say it's been a while since we've had that, it's but it sounds nice. Yeah, if you can if you can get good games from both of them, yeah. then you just need. You don't need Ferguson and Grant and Schroeder to all have those type of nights. Steven Adams has actually been really consistent in this series. But if you can get Russ and Paul going on the same night, you just need one of those other three as far as Ferguson, Grant, and Schroeder to have a good night, and you probably win. Yep. Yep. Because you know you can expect it from Steven Adams at this point. Just because Ennis Cantor and Myers Leonard have no chance. No. I think my biggest adjustment that I want to see is just better, more sound pick and roll defense overall. The the little wrinkle they had to end the game was nice, but I think, like you said, you can't play a whole game like that because Portland will take advantage of it. I think the Thunder need to be more sound in defending Dame and CJ on the pick and roll. The thing that I think Dame does a really good job at is the Thunder kind of do this like, lazy double team on the screen where they try to like cut off his driving lane and force Dame to pass. But Dame splits them just over and over and over and over. Just goes right down the middle and gets straight to the basket. And he's so good at that. And the Thunder haven't really done a great job of adjusting to that. Like get tighter. Don't let him split you. Like you can't let him do that. They started to do it late in the game, even without that, that kind of defensive switch wrinkle and i think that's the key to the game is you have to force dame you have to get the ball out of his hands and you have to 
to let other people beat you. If you get the ball out of Dame's hands, I think you can live with the results. I think we saw that's what happened in the fourth quarter. You saw Alfaruk Amino Aminu shooting corner threes, and like you'll take that every day. Yeah. Over a early Dame in the three. game, he had three of them. You know, he had nine points. He hit his and, first three, and it was it yeah. was good. But towards the end of the game, there, yeah, we we were all three saying. Get the ball out of CJ and Dame's hands. Yep. Force other people to beat you. Force force Kaner to beat you. Let Aminu shoot semi-contested threes. Let yeah. Harkless go off the dribble and try to make a pass in traffic. You know, my thing with Dame and CJ is I agree, you got you have to be better on the pick and roll defense. I like the Thunder's thought though of don't let those guys come off a screen into a dribble and open three. Yep. Um, force them to go inside and then collapse, and we've seen time and time again those guys get in the lane, uh, defense collapse, they they make the right play by trying to pass it off, but that thunder length causes deflections and turnovers, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I, I like that aspect of it, and uh, it, it, should, it comes down to defensive execution at the end of the day. Agreed. It'll be, it'll be a fun one. Oh, uh, yeah. Sunday, Sunday will be enjoyable. We have one more question from our own Kamiar. Uh-oh. Um, let's talk about the post game a little bit, the uh, the press conference. So the national media has really, really become suddenly invested in Russell's refusal to answer Barry Trammell's questions, uh, consistently giving him a next question throughout the season. Um, tonight, uh, we got a Russ next question and then just like the silent treatment where he made the PR lady give Barry a uh, next question. And then you had PG give Barry a next question, which is a nice little uh, bromance moment between oh, yeah. Russ and PG. So Kamayar's question is what should Russ start doing to throw Barry Trammell off his game? I have a perfect answer for this one. You guys ready? Yeah, I'm so ready. I wish I had the sounder for it and make it so much better. I'm here so I don't get fined. <laughs> if we could just get Russ <laughs> quoting Marshawn Lynch, yes, that would be perfect. I'm on board with that, dude. I would give my soul for Marshawn Marshawn Lynch. I would like to see Russ start asking Barry Trammell questions. Yeah, that would that's be what fun. I was thinking. That's what I was thinking too. But like, I, I could go one of two ways on it. Like, either ask him basketball questions, like just turn every question around on Barry. Yeah. Like, why do you think just Damian Lillard hit so many threes? Or just start asking him about things that you know he has no ideas about, like Fashion Week yeah, or yeah, something like be that. Funny. Yeah, Because Russ used to do the, he'd say, what you think <laughs> to people. <laughs> right. They'd be like, I don't know. That's why I asked you. Right. I think Roy said that once to him. Mm-hmm. It's funny. All right. Any parting thoughts before we get out of here, gentlemen? I have one parting thought. Okay. Midfirst Bank lost $40,000 in 48 seconds tonight, everyone. Yes, they did. Yeah. That was magical. If you if you weren't in the arena, I'm sure those videos exist online, and you should go look them up. It was incredible, and <laughs> I loved it because the two guys that hit the so basically the tonight, if if you didn't see it on TV, during two timeouts, two guys got a chance to shoot half court shot for 20k. They gave them a 24 second shot clock to take as many shots as they want. The first guy had a jumper. Right, it looked nice. It was cl- yeah, and he, so many of them. It was like if you had a target, right? They were all clustered like right around the bullseye. Yeah, like they were all close, and then at the buzzer, he hits it. Beautiful. The next guy comes out, big old boy, 
and my man's is shooting from the hip. He was Dude, he was liter- loading that thing at his at his hip. belly and just like rocketing that bitch up there. It, it was incredible. <laughs> it's like so polar opposite. And then he banged one. But in he two. made it faster than the other guy. Yeah, I did. Mid first bank paid out forty k, uh, the equivalent of my salary. Shout out Oklahoma teachers. Oh, oh man, I'm gonna move to Texas. Come on down, fella. All right. Any other parting thoughts? No. Thunder right. up, fam. I'm, I, I'm gonna bump some some outro music that uh, that Silva put together for us. Hey, how how nice is it, Silva, to to listen to your uh, your creation live on the podcast? It's a little weird, not gonna lie. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Thunderwind one twenty to one oh eight series is now at two to one. Game four in the peak Sunday night eight thirty. We will be back with you. Oh, that bass drop, though. That is a little loud. I, I, I should turn that down a little bit. There we go. I like the bass drop, though. We'll be back with you guys with the post-game podcast Sunday. Post-game. Post-thrones. Sunday has a possibility of being a good night. Or Arya could so. die and the Thunder could lose. Dude. And I will not be doing anything on Sunday oh night besides gosh. taking double doses of depression medication. Oh, no. Bye. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.